In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. You may remember where you were, or you may not, on January 28th of 1986. Now, some of y'all might not have been born then. Some of y'all were definitely, definitely born. But I remember I was watching Sesame Street, and all of a sudden Sesame Street got interrupted. Why? Because the Challenger had just exploded. Now, others, you've probably heard the whole thing like, where were you when JFK was shot? But I can promise you that everyone in Jerusalem knew where they were on that Sunday when Jesus went riding in to Jerusalem. They knew exactly where they were and they could recount that amazing, incredible day. Yes, Lord. We have dialing questions. Who said you can't say the A word during Lent? Okay. That wasn't planned. But that gets me to my point. So there's two things. It's going to be a brief homily since we've had this amazing dramatic reading of the Passion narrative. But there's two things that Jesus does on this amazing day that is forever burned in not just the memory of those in Jerusalem, but in our collective memory. Two things, which is uh, Jesus gives us two options. Either crown me or kill me. Crown me or kill me. Jesus orchestrates his whole triumphal entry. I don't know how long I've read this passage and I've always thought, well, okay, you know, it kind of stumbled into. So he stumbled into majesty and glory rather than right on, right on in glory. It was absolutely planned. He was in control of it from start to finish. Some people think about how they're going to control their brand, how they're going to control their messaging. Jesus tells his friends, go to Bethphage, find me a donkey, untie the donkey, bring the donkey to me. We're riding into Jerusalem. I'm even orchestrating how the crowd's going to be. Jesus' triumphal entry was not a mob gathering. It wasn't even a flash mob gathering. It was a deliberately planned event. He knew about these prophecies in the Old Testament where Zechariah says, Behold your king coming, humble, meek, and riding on a donkey. Jesus says, Crown me as king. But he doesn't come like every other king. His kingship is completely different. You look at the way that it, we read in, in the epistle that Paul wrote to the Philippians where he says, Have the same mindset that was in you that was in Christ Jesus, that though he had... He was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or usurped, but made himself of no repute, of nothing, and humbled himself and became a servant, obedient even unto death, death of a cross. Jesus' kingship is different than any other kingship this world has ever known or seen. And, you know, the, the coronation's coming up in a few months, and we're all loving that as Americans. Well, guess what? Maybe we should remember that we are a republic, and actually, the ideal of a king is a wonderful thing, but that's because we have the ideal of this King Jesus. But when you actually get down to where the rubber meets the road, kings don't behave the way they're supposed to. They take power, they abuse their power, they misuse their power, but not so with King Jesus. Behold your king, humble and riding on a donkey. But he's going to challenge these people. And something's going to happen over the next five days of Holy Week. We're going to go from these shouts of Hosanna to shouts of crucify him in less than five days. What happens that makes 
everyone's heart change. And I think it's this. He challenges us. He says, either crown me or kill me. The famed theologian and Anglican author who's written prolifically last century and passed away, um, John Stopp put it this way. He said, salvation, or sin actually, and sometimes we, don't, we shy away from the idea of sin, right? But he says, sin is nothing more than a servant substituting themselves for the king. And salvation is nothing more than the king substituting himself for the servant. He humbled himself and took on the nature of a servant. And that's what we find jarring. We don't want that. We want someone to ride in on a white stallion and kick out the Romans and get rid of all the religious people and set everything right. That's what everyone had these palm branches for. And palm branches, why do we do Palm Sunday? Well, actually, you know what it is? It's actually a ticker tape parade. That's what it was back then. It was a ticker tape parade. In fact, it's much less expensive. Um, And not only that, it's biodegradable, so you don't have as much of a cleanup to do or worry about that. But it was a ticker tape parade for a conquering hero. They expected this king to come in and change everything. And boy, did he change everything. Crown me or kill me. You see, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, the story of Christianity is the story of the rightful king who is landed, and you might even say in disguise, and is calling us to take place, to take our part in this great sabotage. God is doing this great sabotage, and he invites us into that to say no to the powers of darkness and yes to the power of light. Jesus says, crown me or kill me. But what gives us the power to, or even us the power to follow Jesus, to, to make him our king? I mean, does, is it because he's this powerful God who, who empowers us to do all this stuff? Or is it very, very different? And actually, I would argue that Jesus is most powerful when he actually can't even move his hands. They're nailed to a cross. The God whose very hands flung the stars into existence cannot even move his own hands. And that is when he is most powerful. Because that's when he can bend the wills of men and women. Where we don't say command me, we say, what can I do to serve you? If that's what kingship looks like, I want that kingship, Lord. And I don't know what your life may look like right now. Maybe there's a lot of chaos going on. Maybe there's a lot of turmoil. Maybe it's totally peachy keen. But here's the thing. In that trial where Jesus is in front of Pilate, and Pilate says, who should I release to you? Should I release Jesus or Barabbas? Here's where you can know that Jesus wasn't just orchestrating the the narrative of how he was going to go into the city of Jerusalem, but he is orchestrating even history itself. Jesus is about to undergo the worst ordeal of his life, the fiercest sacrifice, as the hymn Right On, Right On says. And as he knows he's about to enter the agony of his passion, Pilate says, who should I release? Jesus, Yahweh is salvation, because that's what his name means. Or should I release Barabbas, which in Aramaic means the son of the father. And if you don't think that the God of history was orchestrating even 30, 40 years ago, that that's what Barabbas' name should be, that's the type of God we worship and serve and love. 
that even in the midst of the fiercest trials and the darkest nights, we have a God who is orchestrating history all for his glory and our good. So as we come to this table, God invites us to meet not only Yahweh is salvation, but Jesus, the Son of the Father.